Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Okay, I want to talk about something that, in all honesty, there are not a lot of messages about this. Um, I, I, I think one or two maybe, and I certainly have not linked into it heaps, um, but I've, I've had to actually work through it and address it, and I know other people in the room would have as well. And I know your theme of kingdom come, this whole thing this year for you is really significant because the way that God's kingdom, kingdom comes is a little bit different to how other kingdoms operate and work. And while we live on earth in this plane, unless we learn the ways and the rhythms and the, lack of a better term, the system of the kingdom, we're never quite walking it. But God wants you to. A couple of people are convinced. God wants you to walk in the kingdom, be kingdom people. I love that. And uh, really this thing started to brew in me because out the back of 2020 in October, November, we began to pray for 2021 and ask God what he had for us as a church. And I felt the Lord say something that was a little bit of a risky biscuit, like Lucy Goosey, but weird to say. I was, I was like, I was kind of like 50-50 on, I'm pretty sure it was God, but I wasn't sure about how it would be received. And because also I hadn't had a theology that was built around the negatives of this word, but there is a real positive to this word. And so I heard the Lord say that 2021, he wanted us to declare a year of revival. And not a revival like God's going to just do everything and there's no partnership and there's no co-working, co-laboring with God, but a revival of what it means that God wanted to revive hearts and lives. God wanted to do wide, that widespread in a widespread way. So we did that. We declared it. We had a vision. Everyone does vision weekends and vision month and all that stuff. And we did that. And uh, then something weird happened. While I'm working through uh, hearing God and declaring this theme, I started to think to myself, quite an unusual thought, how the heck is this going to happen? I was like, okay, I heard, heard God in my spirit, um, but I am, I'm out. I don't, I don't actually know how God's going to do this. And so I thought, because I'm a little bit longer in the tooth now, I have got some greys in the side of my hair. I feel like dying it, but Rebecca's like, don't do that. It's like Zion growing his hair. He's growing it, but his wife doesn't quite approve. Anyway, um, I, I realized that um, he, hearing from God and then trying to work out exactly how God's going to do things, they're not as much in opposition as you might think they are. So I, I did something kind of crazy. I got up in front of our church and I quoted them a quote. And I actually wrote the quote. I said, I'm going to quote you a quote, and I, I just want to let you know who quoted it. It was me. And it went so well that I'm going to do it again with all my children. It's great. You can do it in the office. I just got up there and I said, there, this, here's the quote. I know, I absolutely know that God is going to move this year. I know he wants to bring revival. I just don't know exactly how he's going to do that. And that's okay. Because I know that this too is Faith. Did you know that? Or do you have a version of faith where it's like you've got to know everything, you have had to have heard everything, that you needed three angels to confirm it and a burning bush in your, in your bedroom and the carpet did not burn, you know? I, I know it's a bit crazy to say that, but we put things on our own sense of faith and so 
many people feel inadequate in their faith, but guys, faith is just simply trusting up on God on what he said. That's all it is. And then, how's that going to work? How's that going to happen? This may not sound very spiritual to you. You're like, hold on, hold on here. It may not sound spiritual, very spiritual, but it's very biblical. This is very biblical. In fact, Jesus did this with his disciples in John 14. He starts this series. It's a big conversation and you should read it. It's beautiful. Jesus goes, hey guys, don't freak out now. And he said that through his way. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. But he said, you believe in God. And they were Jewish first century Jewish men, um, individuals. And they had this big thing around God and this big idea of who God was. And he said, we also believe in me because that's been the journey up until now. They followed Jesus. Jesus is now God in flesh. The Messiah has come. And then he just goes off on a tangent. So anyway, my father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, I would have not told you. In other words, I'm not lying to you. He said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. So he's talking about, I think the disciples are thinking, is this literal? Is this like in, in, in Jerusalem? What are we talking about? Is it, is it something else? Is it the afterlife? What's going on? And he, he says, Jesus said, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. This is what he says. You know the way to the place where I am going. And that sounds really good, but not to Thomas. Thomas, he's the first to go. He's like, Lord, 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 Lord. We do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And, and actually, Thomas is 50% correct. You've got to give him some street cred because there is no Bible verse up until this point where Jesus is teaching a, a mapped out step-by-step way to heaven, to the afterlife, to, if it wasn't that, he was talking about but overcoming Rome and the whole powers of, of what was going on at that time. There is no reference to that in Scripture. So, so Thomas has got half of it correct, totally correct. But remember, this is Jesus. And Jesus does this. Jesus draws you in, speaks something to your heart, gives you a fresh sense of like, the word revelation is to a, a, a heavenly thing revealed. And you're just like, oh man, I caught something in my spirit, caught something in my heart. And then he just goes, all right, you know the way. And you're like, no, I don't. I really don't. I, 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 I promise you, Lord, I don't. And Thomas is like that. Thomas doesn't like mysticism. He's not a mystic. He, he's not great with metaphors. He doesn't like gazing into the yonder and just blue sky thinking. That's not Thomas. Thomas is built for spreadsheets and forecasts, profit and loss. He adores hard, cold, scientific facts. That's Thomas. And he represents a part of us. Everyone listening? He represents a part of us, a part in each of us that just hates the unknown. That's what I'm talking about this morning. That's the thing I don't hear too many people talking about anymore. The unknown part of faith. It just sucks so much. No, I'm really serious. What are we having for tea? I don't know. That's my worst nightmare. You know, years ago, they started talking about being hangry. It's where hunger mixes with anger. It's mostly anger, just excusing it with hungry. I get it. I totally get that. Where are we going? Babe, where are we going? 
I'm like this um, on our day off. We have a day off together, Beck and I. We work together, so we have a day off together. So I say on the Thursday night before our day off together, I'm like, hey, babe, what are we going to be doing tomorrow? She's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Not good enough. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because if I say what I really wanted to do, she'll go, oh, no, no. I don't want to do that. Cool. Just tell me, what are we going to do? Years ago, I failed at this, and we'd get to Friday morning, 10, have the coffee, the kids are dropped to school. We're now hanging out. We've got precious minutes. We hardly get this time off together that much. Babe, what are we going to do today? She goes, I don't know. This is not good. Who did turn on the lights? Who left the lights on? I didn't know that as an adult with children, one of my new job descriptions was going around the house and finding the culprit to leaving on. I see a witness. I've got a witness. When I was 17 and thought life was free and easy, I did not envision myself analysing a power bill and wondering which child had the longest shower. Answer, all of them. <laughs> I, I, I hate that. Where's Judah? Judah's our youngest. Like you look around the house, he's just disappeared. Where's Judah? And there's always, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's down the road with his friends. He's up the street at the mountain bike track. He's over the road, up the tree. I'm telling you, like a lot of the times, our life is filled with the unknown. Even in practical life, you know, you just don't know. I wrote down a couple of descriptors. Lack of info, no guarantees, unclear, unproven, untested, uncharted, ambiguous, could or couldn't we, Will they or won't they? The dictionary, the dictionary says the unknown. It's profound. Get ready to write it down. This would make a great tattoo, by the way, if you're into it. I'm not, but I'm just saying. A lot of you are artists out there. Total silence, okay. The dictionary says that the unknown is something that is not known. Hey, hey. That's why I came all the way, just for you. The secondary meaning of this word in the dictionary, it's quite interesting, is probably a little bit more where the money is. Unknown. Things that are not known. Are you ready for it? Or things that are unfamiliar. All the time God does stuff in our lives that we're not familiar with. We're so built to go back to what we knew. Peter did it. He denied Jesus three times and he goes back fishing. Total unfamiliar Scenarios drive you back to what is familiar. And, and I wonder if you and I realise that here in 2021 following Jesus, things have changed a bit. Like I, I, I get that Christianity at its core or being a disciple of Jesus at its core has not changed. But now in 2021, what we didn't have when I was following Jesus 20 years ago is we have what? You can bank at a button, eat at a button, order a taxi, Uber. Do you have Ubers here? At a button, you're going to get them. That's fine. Um, You can travel, you can trade, you can buy property, you can do anything you want out of the palm of your hand. And if you're as old as my dad is, you can also pocket call us all day long. I only pick up one in five calls from dad because the rest is just his genes. You know, that is what's, that's true. And 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 I've learned it and I'm about right. Hey dad, how you doing? And it was him that one time. But the kingdom of God is not like this. The kingdom of God is not, it's not out of sorts with 2021 but it's just not a copy of 2021. What do I mean? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, you know the kingdom, it's about fixing your eyes not on what is seen, known, comprehended, understood, identified, but 
here's some news. What is unseen? Seen as though what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. So you need to throw into this, just expand it a wee bit and say, if the unseen is temporary, but the unseen is eternal, then the knowing is temporary. What you feel is temporary. What you experience, the drama you go through today is temporary. Listen, there's someone in the room right now and you have had a terrible, terrible start to 2021 and you feel like giving up. And I would echo the words of great wisdom that's gone before us. Do not make a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. Don't do it. Because it will change. It will change. What is, what is temporary is the stuff that is tangible. And God is so far out of our devices, our impulses, our instincts, that we need to be reminded that the life of faith is walking into the unknown. When was the last time you just took a big leap into the unknown? When did you do it? When did you just go, because I know when I did it, when I came to know Jesus, I was so fired up. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have children. I didn't have things ahead. I was just going to church six nights a week. And I wanted to go more. And people would go like, oh, you burn out doing that. Do you know what? I would repeat it in a heartbeat. I would re- it might have been unhealthy. It may have not been Henry Cloud's Boundaries book approved. But my gosh, we just went for it. And, and in that time, do you know what? There is nothing I wouldn't have done. But boy, it gets interesting when you whack a decade on that. You whack another decade on that. I spoke to someone just last week and they said to me, I would do this and take this risk, but I've got too much to lose now. And do you know what I would say to that? On the natural plane, totally get it. It's probably a little bit of wisdom, half wisdom. But on the spiritual train, on the spiritual plane, incorrect. If you're breathing, God is not done with you. You got 24 hours left, God still wants to use you. What God can do in one day is so phenomenal, but it requires a type of faith that goes, I'm gonna hear you, God. You're gonna sp- I want you to speak to me and then I'm gonna leap out and you better be there for me. And I reckon there's like three things that in this text that we can potentially miss out on if we become the kind of Christians who demand, need the guarantee, require all of our I's to be dotted, T's to be crossed, or if you're dyslexic, all of your I's to be crossed and T's to be dotted. I'm your friend. And and I want to share with them with you, and I think they're really, really important because underneath the unknown, there's there's a treasure trove. The first thing is that you unearth a place that God has already already prepared for you. That is the, that's what he was talking to them about. Guys, don't freak out. You've got faith in God. You've got faith in me. This is all good. Now, there's a house and it's got many rooms. If that were not so, I'm telling you the truth about it. Listen, you ready? And I, let, let this get down deep in your spirit, sir. Deep in your spirit, ma'am. He said, I am Jesus. I'm off now. And I'm going to go prepare for you a place just for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, don't you worry. I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me so that you are where I am. And this is huge, guys, because this kicks against, right, the fatalistic thinking that we bring into faith now. Do you know what fatalism is? Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. If I went to the garage to get my hammer and I dropped it on my toe, maybe God's trying to tell me something. Okay, well, maybe you dropped a hammer. 
We morph the character of God so much into experience that what happens to us, we think, must be God's will. If God's will happened all the time, this is, we're getting into theological waters now. This is, some of you might shout me down, and I'm okay with that. But I'm going to propose a question. I'll, maybe I won't answer it. That might be a wise thing to do in this moment. If God's will happened all of the time, why did Jesus ask you to pray for his will to be done? Was he just annoying you because he's like, well, God's will gets done anyway, so you just pray for it. It's a good thing to do. Or was he actually saying, guys, your job and my job and kingdom come and as believers is to bring that will into this earth. Now, I don't understand the big void in the middle that goes, well, God's sovereign will over and above and what happens when we don't see it? Hey, hey, it's beyond my education pay grade. But let me just say this, that there are actually things in our fatalistic world and fatalistic thinking and was COVID sent by God and is God punishing nations and whatever else, right, that we bring it right down to this thought and this is what I'm pushing on. Then if that's the case, I'm not really sure that God has good things in store for me because I can't trust him anymore that he's good. I'm starting to question his character based on what I see and fear. And therefore, I have reached a point while I still believe in an almighty, all-powerful God and I still believe in heaven one day, I don't know how to reconcile what my kids are going through. The fact that I would actually feel like I want to advance in life, but I don't know how to find God in the middle of that. The fact that I've gone through school and I still don't know how to answer the question, what are you going to do with your life? Dumbest question in the world. Here's a better question. Who do you want to be? Who, who you want to be is a far better question to ask than what do you want to do? Because if you find out what you want to be, it gives you many, many options of what you can do. But I'm here to tell you, and I just want to do it quietly but confidently, God's prepared things for you. You're like, okay, but that was to the disciples. It doesn't count. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 9, but as it is written, he's, this guy, Paul, is quoting the Old Testament. And it's in our New Testament in the, in the Scriptures. I has not seen Zion, ear has not heard Tory, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Where's James? Upstairs. James, I just needed a third person, the fiance. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man yet. Oh, I didn't know I prayed for Zion when it held me eight. Four and a half. And and I and it was there. I didn't know I was laying hands on the future senior pastor of Life Church. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. It says this, it hasn't even entered into the heart of man. What is it? The things that God has prepared for those, even you watching online right now, those who love him. And you say, okay, so how do I be part of that? Do you love him? Man, we complicate our Christianity so much. Do you know how you know you're on track with Jesus? Do you just love him? Do you love him? I don't know. The Bible says, you know, you've got to be careful when your love grows cold. So if mine and Beck's love, or it's probably not right to say mine and Zion is a friendship because I'm actually married. But anyway, if mine and Rebecca's, you've got a work colleague, you've got a business colleague, you're on a board with someone, and the relationship's jarring. Things aren't flowing anymore. You just don't feel a peace. What do you do? You don't ignore it. You don't pretend it's not there. You lean into it. You say sorry. You be, become humble. You connect again. If you love Jesus, God has prepared things for you. And then the second part is sort of like the understanding part, verse 10. But how does God reveal them to you? 
by his spirit. In other words, I didn't know them. He didn't know. I didn't know. But God's revealed it now. I can see it. Oh, hindsight's 2020. Faith's 2020. You go, of course God was going to move. He didn't know then. I didn't know then. It was just all faith. Then what happens? For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, that's the word, in the unknown, he knows the things of man except the spirit of a man, which is in him. In other words, my spirit knows things about Graham that Graham doesn't even really know yet. There's deep things. He says, it's the same with God. Even so, no one knows the things of God prepared for you except the Spirit of God. But we now have received the Spirit. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm so excited for you because you're sitting there going, all right, cool, you're pumped up. Was it Red Cordial? What's going on? Like, No, I'm just excited because God's prepared things for you. The Spirit of God knows them. You don't. It's unknown to you. But if you settle up alongside the Spirit of God, there's going to come a time you know them too. <laughs> you don't know them yet. You're going to know them. Things that have been going by, given by God. And I want to encourage someone to here today. You will settle for less than God has for you until you start saying out loud, thank you, God, for what you've prepared for me today. Thank you, God, for what you've prepared for me in this season. Jesus, thank you for what you've prepared for Izzy. That's my teenage son. His testosterone's pretty full on at the moment. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've got for Ruby. Oh, Lord, thank you, God, for what you've got for Annisbrook. Thank you, God, for what you've got for Life Church. Audacious is enough to say, thank you, God, for what you've got for New Zealand. You've already prepared in time. So I'm going to leap into the unknown. Dang, good preaching. That's good. Two, the, underneath the unknown is also a greater clarity about God. Now, Thomas has gone off, hasn't had a good time. Philip jumps in. And Philip goes, okay, Lord, tell you what. Now, this is bargaining mode for the places, dark places, unknown places, unsure places, uncharted places. This is what you do. This is what I do. We do it all the time. You ready? Show us the Father, and then that will be enough for us. Jesus was talking about heaven, eternal life, the kingdom being established. And Philip's just like, I tell you what, how about you do this? Because his faith, they're confused. They didn't know. And Jesus goes, oh, Filipino. He says, Phil, even after I've been among you such a long time, why are you doing this? And then says this. And, and, and for the record, this is the first time in the New Testament that this statement has been uttered in this order of sequence, and it's really important. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, let me introduce you to a new part of God you did not know. When you go through the unknown, when you venture out by faith, when you live by faith, you will know things about God that settling will never show you. When I was 30 years old, my wife, Rebecca, got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. My stepmother was at our house, saw a lump on her throat, and she was in the kitchen. It was in 2012, and she said, you've got a lump on your throat. And she said, do I? She touched, and she went to the doctor, and they said, listen, you need to go down to Christchurch. Our best surgeon ever will remove your thyroid, and we'll sort it out. They got her into the theatre room, having told me it was three-and-a-half-hour surgery. Um, we actually, I, I was there at the hospital. Three-and-a-half hours went by. Four-and-a-half hours went by. Five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half, seven-and-a-half, eight-and-a-half, nine hours. And by, you know, when you're in an unknown space, what you tend to do is start trying to make up what you should know. Don't you? 
So I was like, maybe she's died. Maybe something really weird's happened. And I um, looked down the corridor and the surgeon who met us before comes to the end of the corridor and it's a ward, so it's very, very long, three times as long as the stage, I reckon. And I stood up from the waiting room seat in the kind of family lounge here. I stood up and I just started walking forward and no one else was with me. It was a dumb move. Just her and I went down and they just told us it was a simple thing. And as I walked towards the surgeon, I just began to pray in my spirit. Tongues. Not that. If you're new to church, what you're about to hear is weird. But just a bit of context. It's the only thing that bridged me between what I didn't know and what I was about to find out. Like that, Christchurch, Ward, whatever it was. Come to the surgeon, shake his hand. He says, come with me, we need to talk. Surgery didn't go as well as we thought. When we were operating, we discovered that Rebecca has a tumour that's broken through the larynx nerve on the side. And when we were operating, the other side triggered off. And um, we basically had to put a tracheostomy in. We're not entirely sure whether she'll be able to speak again. The larynx controls your speech, regulation for your heart, and swallow reflex to eat. We put a peg in. For three months, she was on that peg. For three months, she had a trachea. Um, and I, we started going on the journey of our lives. I would wake up. We went home, flew home after several weeks in hospital. She was not in a good way, and we went home. And I remember waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning, freaking out. Like I was having visions, pictures of her in a casket. Really not good. Not really good to admit as a pastor. Trying to pastor and preach the church through a season like that was, tr- it was tricky stuff. And uh, so I'd duck out, get out of bed because just fear, so much fear and anxiety. Um, I'd turn over and see her there with a trackie and like we didn't, they said they scanned her and cells had gone down into a chest. That was all a crazy nightmare. So I went into the lounge at two o'clock in the morning and I just began to pray. And probably for the first time in my life, I didn't actually care what the prayer sounded like. I I just didn't care. God, God, God. Romans, I think it is, says that he hears our groanings, our utterances, and he translates them into something sensible. Uh, 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 It was like that. For the first 10 minutes, it was just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Your mind's telling you you're not saying it right. You're like, shut up, God, God, God. Put on worship quiet. After about 15, 20 minutes, just start to feel a peace. The cool wind of God around the flames that are trying to lick our feet. The soft and gentle presence. Certainly didn't have it in bed, woke up and was missing it. What I'm telling you is that as we went through this season of total unknown, they didn't they couldn't even diagnose. They're like, we've got to give her radiation. They just couldn't. For two and a half years, we left with an undiagnosed situation. And unknown, undiagnosed, uncharted, here's what I'm here to say. I met a God that I never knew existed. Seriously. I've even started a Bible college and I didn't know that God. 
I preached myself silly on a roster. I didn't know that God. Has it ever dawned on you that there are parts of God that you are still yet to know? It's not that we don't celebrate what we don't already know. Just the same for Philip. Hey, if you've seen me, let me introduce you to this. You've seen my father. Some of you are yearning to go to deeper places with God, but you've failed to recognise the price tag as a leap into the unknown. Ugly situation. That ugly situation. That terrifying thing. That, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can. That's where you meet him. When you think you've been left and forgotten, when you think your best days are behind you, when you think you can't move forward, that ugly place. Ugly. It wasn't Jeremiah 29, 11 you imagined when you went to youth camp. But don't worry, God still knows the plans He has for you. To prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. He just didn't tell you that in between the hope and the future and the promise of the plan, it's a leap into the unknown. Third thing, final thing, I've gone a little bit long now, is this, is that Jesus promised if you could go here, not only would you meet Him in a new way, not only could you kind of like know and understand things that are prepared for you, but finally, there's going to be a greater revival. Listen to it, you ready? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, same conversation, if you believe in me. So push through what you don't know. Push through what you don't understand where we're going. Push through the settling. He said this, you will do, if you believe in me, the works that I've been doing. Jesus, Jesus just takes them to a whole nother level again. And he says this, people who do that will do even greater things. It's like how to get you out of a funk. He just goes, greater things. I still don't know anything more, but greater things. Whatever you do and ask for in my name, greater things. Father's going to be glorified. You're going to ask me for anything and I will do it. And it's hard to hear this this morning. But even in the midst of that place, that ugly place, that tricky place, that awkward place, uncharted place, unproven place, revival is here. You just got to go, I know God has said, I just don't know how it's going to happen. And this is the piece that I want to leave with you now before I say just a couple more things. I just want to leave this and I would like you not to miss this part. This part for me is probably the biggest part. Some of us, right, who are a bit feeling a bit anxious about that, a bit unsure, I don't know what that means for me. This is really important. I really believe it's going to be like wind under your wings this morning. Question. What does God give to those who step into this place? What is it that God gives to you who step out into that place, who trust Him and walk into unproven, unknown, uncharted, risky biscuit, loosey-goosey, crazy place? What is it that God will give to you while you're there? Don't miss the answer to this. Don't miss the question and don't miss the answer because the answer is this. He gives Himself. Same verse, same chapter, same context. This is the quote. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, you ready for this? I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father, the kingdom, except through me. In other words, you may not know your way, but you know me. You may not know the way, but you know me. And I am greater than the very thing that you're going to head into. And you've just got to hold on to me. What God gives you while you step into that place, what is the gift He will give you? The gift of Himself. 
His presence. And one day at a time, people, one day at a time, dear Jesus, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Okay, what do you, what do you want from me today? What do I need to do today? I'll just say this really quickly, and it may not sound that faith-filled. What's going to happen when you share your faith? It's unknown. If any preacher told you that people were going to come rushing to the altar call of your house, kneel down and ask you to anoint them, they were promising things that not even God was promising. He just said, if you would go and share and preach the gospel, make disciples, that would be very good. And what did he say? I'll take care of the rest. And while you do that, what's the gift you get in return? A response? Probably not. Could do, don't know, maybe, depends. But what's the gift he'll give you while you wait? The gift of himself. What's gonna happen when you pray for someone for a miracle for someone? Unknown. Might be a healing, might be a waiting, might be a seed that was planted, might be an invitation to the person to take another step into faith. You just don't know. But while you do it and while you trust Him and while you step out in faith, the gift that God gives you is Himself. (laughs) This is so good. It's speaking to me. What's gonna happen if you leave that sin life once and for all? It's totally unknown. I mean, I have sort of gauges on it. You feel free. You feel new. You work out who you were really meant to be all along. God calls it new creation. But the rest, guys, the rest of it, unknown. What happens when you start putting God first in your finances? Man, I remember this one. Totally unknown. We ate porridge for the first three months. I said to Rebecca, we can't afford to tithe. She looked at me in the eyeballs and she said, we can't afford not to tithe. So we ate porridge for three months. I cannot tell you the things that God has done since doing that. Why? Unknown. But the gift that God will give you in the meantime, Himself. What a word. This is so, sorry if that sounds over encouraging, but it is. And so what I didn't do in the first service that I want to do right now, okay, is I want to say to you, it's time for a step of faith for the church. Uh, the elders, I know there's elders and board members here. Guys, I really feel like, uh, God, you've taken a big leap of faith. You've taken some serious leaps of faith over the years. And, um, you know, with the appointments and, and where we are now, what's gone on. But just to the eldership and the board, and, and really this is to the people because that's we're, we're a body. I just feel like God's calling you to take some larger steps. And you'll hear from Him. You will know. I, don't, I can't tell you what those are. But I just feel it in my heart that do not get nervous now. Don't get shaky now. Don't think, yeah, we've done enough to, 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 for this season. Hear God, take the leap. People of God, lean in behind it. New Zealand needs life church. New Zealand needs your expression. You need to believe God. I just really believe greater things are coming. I really, really, really believe greater things are coming. Um, I believe that there's other people in the room and you haven't taken a step into the unknown for a long time. You've given up on praying. That could be the one simple thing you do today. You go home and pray with your family. What's going to happen? Totally unknown. Probably won't even go well. You'll be like, man, I thought we were more spiritual than this. I'm hearing their prayers. What a nightmare. God never told you that you needed to have polished prayers. He just said, pray and ask. Some of you, there's other areas of your life, totally unknown, but God needs a leap of faith. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.